This is MC Fireside Chats, a weekly show devoted to the outdoor hospitality industry, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismadia. You'll hear from special guests that focus on topics to help your business succeed, all backed by Modern Campground, the most innovative news source in the industry. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of MC Fireside Chats. My name is Brian Searle with Insider Perks here, as always, with Kara Sismadia from the Canadian Camping and RV Council. I'm outside. It's blue skies. It's spring. It's almost time for camping season. No idea back here if my head is cut off or you can see me correctly, but we're going to go for it anyway. We're going to make it happen because it is beautiful and super excited for camping season, as everyone else is, too, up here in Calgary, Alberta. What do we got going on today? First of all, this is a regular campground owner show. And we have no campground owners on it. It's so amazing. We're pioneering and blazing the path here with innovations at Modern Campground. But hopefully we'll be joined by Ryan Cross from Sun Outdoors. He's running a, a few minutes late. And then we're just doing some shuffle work around after the Canadian Outdoor Hospitality Conference at Expo. Some people were on spring break. People were sick and had some scheduling conflicts and things like that. So we're just moving some pieces around. And next month we'll have some campground owners back on the show with you already. We already have some commitments and things like that. But Today, before we dive in, Kara, we have to talk about the Canadian Outdoor Hospitality Conference and Expo last week. How did it go? Yeah, thanks. I think overall, feedback has been incredibly good. We had tons of sessions and education and all kinds of networking and connection happen during those three days last week. And yeah, our our members, CCRBC members have been reaching out to me to say thank you and how much they appreciate the efforts on behalf of both Brian and myself, as well as our speakers and sponsors like Joe. So yeah, no, overall, it was really good. We're excited already, I think, for 2023 and some fundamental shifts in the format of that as we hopefully hope and pray that we are going to be in person next year. That was one of the biggest hurdles, I think, is virtual is really great for some folks and others aren't such a big fan. And I think that really that stuff really comes out in those post event uh surveys that we send out to everyone mental note here and and number one my first mental note is i need a better speaker on my laptop because i could hear what you're saying but all the way back here i can't really so i'm gonna have to pick up a bluetooth speaker next time we do this outside uh yes. but secondary and, and i apologize if i cut somebody off because I, I literally am struggling to hear i'm gonna move closer in a second but for the from specifically from an exhibitor standpoint right because i was there <laughs> i was the sponsor of his inside of brooks and his modern campground i as the MC of the event and teaching all the courses and doing all the things, didn't have time to literally look at my booth at all. I had a couple of people who were in there staffing and, and chatting, but I still picked up three new clients from it. Yeah. So I'm super excited for that to continue our expansion into Canada and things like that. But I will say there's this, and, and, and I'm going to call out not anybody specifically here, but just this industry in general, right? There's this hesitation about virtual and nobody wants to be there. We won't want to be back in person, handshaking, eye contact, hybrid events, both options. Sure. But I will tell you that despite the virtual conference having that kind of stereotype, you vendors who didn't participate and did last year really missed out because we had some great conversations, networking and people browsing the booths and some sessions and education and just like, I, don't, I can't even tell you how much business I would have picked up had I actually been paying attention to our booths and had time. So I was super excited about Kara. 
Yeah, I think our growth in attendance really showcases the the interest specific to the event. We had quite a few more attendees than we had last year. That is a great sign. I think, I hope that's a good trajectory set for the future specific to the conference, regardless of whether it goes in person or hybrid or virtual only or whatever happens, I think we'll continue to have interest. I want to welcome Ryan. He's here. He's a little, he was a little behind here. He was in the backstage, but he's here. He's here. Welcome. Welcome, Ryan. Can you still see me in this way? Like, I still see my laptop. This is terrible. I got to get like an outdoor screen. Does it look good or am I cut off? Do I need to scratch down? I'm, I wouldn't say it looks good, but we can see you. I yeah. guess that is a silly question because we both. If you move the camera down just a little bit and the logo covers you up, it'd be perfect. Yeah, perfect. Look, uh... <laughs> okay. Anyway. Super excited to welcome Ryan here. Ryan, you just missed the breaking news. We're doing a campground under focus show with no campground owners. It's amazing. We're pioneering and leading the industry. He ruined it. Well, no, Ryan didn't ruin it because Ryan is a manager, 100% on track here. But Kara, were you finishing up about the conference? I'm so sorry if I cut you off by mistake. No, no worries at all. Yeah, no, I, I really just need to say another round of thank yous specifically to our sponsors mainly CampSpot and came in as title yet again this year. Their support is so valuable to the association, but we certainly had support from, I think, I believe in total 19 other industry suppliers who came to the table and supported the event specifically. But I think it's important to note that that support lasts the association through the year and enables us to do some great stuff specifically for our members. And, and that's obviously so vital to the association and its success. So I appreciate all of the sponsors who, who showed up and gave their time. And of course, dozens of speakers who brought their expertise to the table. And of course, also all of our attendees. We had some really great, really engaging conversations and discussions, lots of fun networking sessions, and even hung out in the networking lounges at night and had a couple drinks and all that. It was a great three days. I think we are, it's, it sets a great tone for jumping into camping season. Part of why we're missing a couple of our campground owner guests today too, I think is because they're really prepping. We've got, we're weeks out from opening parks and starting to welcome guests and things like that. So it's an exciting time right now. And the conference really set the stage for kicking the season off on a great foot. I'll say I was an exhibitor for, for the conference this past week and it, re it went great. We've done a lot of conferences in person and as well as uh, online. And this conference by far is the one that we get the most value out of that is online. And so a lot more conversation with people, a lot more interactions with, with attendees being a sponsor. That's what we're looking for typically. And also other people in the industry, but the lounge many nights, it's Kara and Brian and Joss and myself, maybe a couple others. And not always owners and campground owners, but it's just us meeting with other people that we normally don't get to see and, and have a good time. So I enjoy it. Well, and that's, uh, and that's the thing, Joe, like I, I get the hesitation from some of the vendors and things like that to participate. And I understand that in some ways I'm calling them out right here, not by name, but in front of them. And I understand your hesitation and the smoke behind me and hopefully nothing's on fire. It's amazing. This little wood chamber stove I got going. But I understand their hesitation because things in the past weren't as great. Like you said, this is the best online one you've been to. There've been some terrible ones, but ultimately it's about getting out. It's about supporting your association, networking with people. And to be perfectly honest, I got business from it. And I'm really looking forward to this ongoing partnership with CCRBC as they continue to innovate, embrace digital hybrid and in-person all at once, because that's the future. The future absolutely is still in person. But the, but you can only go in person so many times with travel expenses and booths and hauling things around and all that. 
And if you can stay connected throughout the rest of the year with virtual and have the best of both worlds, it is the future. So we've got to figure out a way to embrace it, not just from a owner standpoint and a me standpoint and a vendor standpoint, but I think CCRVC is on the right path here to trying to make it as valuable as possible in a virtual setting for people like you, Joe, and me. So I was saying, Brian, it's even harder to get your booth from place to place when you leave it in somebody else's basement for two years. I know. So for those of you who don't know, like I had this huge booth that I bought in like January of 2020 or the end of night 2019. And I spent like $5,000 on it. And then Joe was going to bring it like, cause I was flying everywhere. Joe was going to bring it to me via car. And then the pandemic hit and it's been in Joe's basement ever since. That's I'm not sure why I haven't gotten a bill for storage fees, but pretty soon I'm just confiscating the TV. I'm pretty sure. Is there a TV in there with that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Why would there be? <laughs> and floor pan, there's a flooring setup, but that might be mine too. <laughs> so anyway, what's new from your standpoint? Oh, wait, before you answer that, one more thing about sponsorship before we go. Nothing related to the CCRVC conference, but we are accepting sponsorships for this show starting in April. We have only four slots available, minus one, minus two, minus three. So there's only one left. We're going to have one sponsor per episode where you can air a video at the beginning. We'll mention you, talk about your product and service, read a script, those kinds of things. There's only four available, one each episode, and we've already sold three. So if you're interested, you probably should reach out to us soon. Ryan, take it away, sir. What's new with you in your world? Oh, man, there's not enough time to tell you what's new in my world. Does it have to do with the Pistons and how they're not as good as the Cavs or... You know, we will be converting, now it's public knowledge, so we will be converting Petoskey KOA into Jellystone Petoskey Yogi Bear. Nice. Wow. Yep. That, that decision was made, I think, 10 or 15 days ago or something like that. And we have 30 days to get the, everything transitioned over. So I've been pretty, pretty busy getting everything lined up from a different state, but it's, it's been good. I don't know anything about Yogi Bear, so I'm excited to learn a whole new brand. But yeah, that's been my week. So, and I still have time to come here. So, yeah. tell us, like, give us a little bit of an inside peek until obviously I know some things are proprietary, you can't share everything, right? But give us a little peek into what happens as soon as you hear this news from us. Because we've dealt with those people before. We've had clients who have transitioned from KOA to Jellystone or whatever to independent or independent to KOA. What goes through your mind as soon as you hear that? And then what are the, some of the first things you do as an owner manager? Yeah, panic, I believe, would be the first step. You about lose your mind. It's weird because everything that I've ever known has been KOA or Sun Outdoors. Or, and so to step out of that comfort zone and like, okay. I think you chase this bear around with pots and pans in the morning, you wake him up and like he comes yeah. out of air den and okay, there's a whole bunch of things that you need to learn and ordering costumes and changing out all of your signs, how you're going to set up your store, everything changes. That's where I'm at is in the weird limbo stage of, okay, here we go. Let's figure this all out. Are you building a smoke machine? What's going on over there? <laughs> I think well, that's I'm trying to put more wood pellets in it. It's a wood stove. So when I first got it, I got these barbecue pellets that I didn't know were the wrong one because that's all they had at Canadian Tire, which is our little store up here, a big Walmart. Feeling we're at a camping trip. Yeah. So it's not really cold enough to burn it, but I'm trying to get rid of them. I think Brian's hiring, Ryan, if you're looking uh, yeah. to yeah, his new campground. Stoking, stoking his fire. What you're just saying, right? We have a few customers that have either left a major brand or switched to one. And the things that 
you never even think about that have to be done so quickly, like changing your guest guides, changing all your branding colors, especially going from one major brand to another major brand. Those colors have to be gold because you can't be using those anymore. And then updating your website, all, anything you hand out, any web, all of the different listings you have across the internet need to be changed, but then the old searches need to still come and find you. And like, it's an unlimited amount of work to do. <laughs> it's a super yeah. interesting thing. So we had a, I'm trying to remember, we had a KOA who dropped the franchise and obviously I'm not going to say where, but KOA dropped the franchise and it's, it's really interesting how much of that work that there is to do that you don't think about. Like we had to go to the Google, my business listing and scrub all the pictures that had any kind of KOA symbolage in it. We've done that before with yogis, obviously instantly, as soon as you flip that switch, you're still called a KOA or a yogi or whatever, or your independent park. If you're going to one of these franchises all over the end, and you have to figure out a way to quickly change that and set guest expectations while also like you've got a loyal base who have known you for years as this one thing. And how do you communicate that you're still the same place? You just don't have the colors or the bear or whatever. Yeah, I was so going to ask that. What's the strategy, Ryan, to communicating that to your return guests and fielding their concerns or questions around the shift and how it will impact them? I was a little concerned you were going to actually ask me that question. No, obviously we're run by a much, much bigger company. They are taking responsibility for a majority of that. But we did send out an email, like it's going to be the same place, but signed by the manager. I will be going back. The people who ran it will still be there, but it's hard because things you're not even thinking about is your 800 numbers owned by KOA. So you lose that. And w, the only way I know how to get to our site map is PetoskeyKOA.com. And so how do you tell the guest? Oh, it's a new website. I don't know. I don't know if there is a perfect way because email blast is most of the time the easiest way, but I would say 90% of those go to spam. Facebook, you post it on Facebook, you're about to get blasted because it's been just KOA for 32 years. What in the world? But Facebook does have a huge reach and that's a, a good way of doing it. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know all the answers yet. And uh, short of calling everybody on your list, which is almost impossible. I think it's a lot of you got to go old school and, and get newspaper ads out there and, and which blows my mind that they still do that, but like newspaper ads and like, you're trying to hit an entire like layer of general, like your newspaper ads, people still read those. And I'm like, oh, I didn't realize that. And then like email blast, that's like the business guy and, and Facebook, that's the bombs looking at you. How do you go after a completely different people that you've never had staying at your property before. So we don't really have all the answers yet, but it's pretty fresh. It just now ended. We're just going to keep working through it until figure out what the right answer is. There's no better time to do it than one month before you open. So like you bring up a very interesting question though, because there are answers to these things, right? Not perfect answers. But what we've seen, or at least what we've, what we've inside of Perks have seen in the marketing that we've done and the branding switches over the pandemic is that actually customer loyalty has declined over the pandemic in some areas, not all the places, but as more especially now, who knows what's going to happen with loyalty with inflation, right? As you stay closer to home or change your travel plans or adjust them and things like that. And so what we found is, is there's two segments of your park owners. And I'm sorry, I have an echo. That's why I pause there for a second. There's two segments of your uh, park people who come to your campground. One is the seasonals, which obviously need much more communication and handholding and insurances when you're doing any kind of a brand change. But then there's the overnight people who, unless the Watoski KOA is the only place that they've been going, 
for 32 years, chances are that they've either seen other jelly stones or other independent parks or whatever. And so they're not necessarily as concerned as your seasonals would. So in many cases, it's just like a whitewash. Get rid of the KOA and the fact that you were a KOA as fast as you humanly can everywhere you possibly can so that everybody can still get to your new website. And at the top, formerly known as Petoskey KOA, which just immediately reset everybody's expectation and they'll forget really quickly. Yeah. Sorry to blow up your guys' day. That was, uh, it's honestly something that we've never had on the show before, but it's, it's so important from a, not just the switching franchises standpoint or embracing a franchise. If you're going from independent to a KOA or to a Yogi for all those benefits that they offer, but it's important from a branding perspective to think about these things as an owner, when you're knee deep in everything with building sewer pipes and laying wires and opening your store and stocking it, worrying about supply chains and inflation and the consumer, like it's just one more thing that you have to be cognizant of. And maybe we don't talk about it enough. The things aren't as strict when you have uh, a single owner moving and just rebranding their property, which happens, that happens as well. <clears throat> and things aren't as strict, but you notice that they, as a consumer, you notice that they forget about things at times. And so they'll have some web one page on their website somewhere that might have their old branding or an old icon or something like that. And again, if you're coming from one of the big brands, you're, it's a little more strict, right? You got to move those. If somebody sees them, you get in trouble, you're going to get a letter about it. But when you're even doing your own branding, it just causes confusion. And so it's good to, to have someone make you think about those processes at just a random time and think you need to hit the website, all the branding and go through everything with a fine tooth comb. It's, it fascinates me to this day. And again, admittedly, like I'm a super big geek as everybody knows, but it fascinates to me to this day, how much people, and this goes for me outside of like thousands of things outside of marketing too. Like you don't know what you don't know. And so even when we were giving sessions at the CCRBC conference, doing like a deep dive into Google ads and what can be done on your website with automation, there's still this mindset of, and it's not wrong. Like you can't know everything. There's nothing, I'm not criticizing anybody here. But there's still this mindset of my website is just what it looks like to the public and what it does behind the scenes doesn't matter. And so people don't realize that you can very quickly, like I remember we were talking about Verity Rancho RV Resort, one of our, one of our clients in, in Arizona who's owned by CRR Lifestyle. We were talking about, you can pull up Google Analytics 4 and see how much every single visitor to your website is worth mm -hmm. and how much the average person pays on CampSpot or whatever they're using, CampSpot in this case, when they check out. And all of a sudden there's a number right in front of you that shows, look, I'm earning 150 times more than I thought was expensive for me to pay that website designer to do my website. Because yeah, it really, it transforms your website into another, into a tool and, and uses all the data that you've been collecting all that time to, to just enhance your business value. It's incredibly smart to, to utilize it. Anyway, what else we got? I don't want to talk about marketing because that's my thing. Like, I feel like I'm just going to hijack the show if I do things like that. I never talk about myself, but what else is new? Well, I think we should, we could touch on your uh, fancy resources at Motoring Campground. Are we going to do that? We will. We will. Like, I will. We can do that now if you really want. Like, I'm trying, like, it's springtime, right? So what, what's on the mind? Obviously, there's a lot on your mind, Ryan, switching from Yogi to KOA or KOA to Yogi, sorry. See, I already messed it up. And it was, I just literally talked about it five minutes ago. Well, what's on the minds and maybe Joe, you could chime in with this too, because you're doing a lot of work with campgrounds and updating your apps and things like that. But what's on the minds of park owners in March? In general, first off, and then secondly, secondarily with this inflation and gas prices and all the things. 
Yeah. So I think, man, there's a lot that goes into that, but you're trying to button up all your big projects, work on through two phases of expansion at the exact same time. So adding 67 RV sites and 20 vacation rentals and two crazy deluxe pull through. I have dozers cutting across property right now and ripping up asphalt. You've got a pretty tight window to lay new asphalt down before the campground opens and worrying about that. Okay. And then you get the benefit of, okay, we're adding 20 vacation rentals. So how are we going to staff that? And right now you're in peak hiring season, trying to get your team assembled and store orders. Like you got to start restocking your store. This is go time. This is the anxiety is high as an operator, as a manager, you're, you're gearing up for what we call war. Here we go. Obviously bad timing right now, but setting up your store, remodeling, everything has to happen before you open because it's a lot easier before guests get there. And we're already starting down that road with everything. We could probably spend three days talking about each one of those things. Is it different? And you just mentioned your store specifically. We've heard a lot about supply chain issues and ordering in advance. Have you run into a lot of those difficulties? Yeah, we, I think everybody orders from Wilcore. I think that's probably the most shopped at store for campgrounds. And I think I got a third of what I ordered. So everything is back ordered. What are you going to do? You, you do what you have and that's what you're going to have in your store. And it's hard because even they can get better in July and August and your reorders and you're ordering like, okay, I'm going to get charcoal and lighter fluid, but you can only get it on first truck. And so you can't get it later. And then your store goes pretty bare in July because they're just as busy as we are and trying to keep up with demand. And you want to have this store that's perfectly set up and beautiful. And you're, when you're making these orders, you're in your head going, okay, I'm going to put this display here. And then I'm going to build a rack here for quick wicks and marshmallows and marshmallow sticks. And then when nothing shows up, you're like, all right, we're going to do chairs here. And, um, going to put a TV over here and changes the game for you. And you don't have a ton of time because you only got, I think we're 36 days from opening or something like that. Maybe a little bit more, just putting that on my radar and we don't have our staff yet. So it's manager, assistant manager, maintenance manager. And so there's three of us to go through all these projects and say, okay, which ones are important? Which ones you almost have to, you sit in a crouch position going, please, please let this go. And you're going to have to find a whiteboard and write down like, this is the most important. Got to have this one. And this one's the not most important. Cause you, I think everyone always assumes that opening day, which for us is May 6th is everything has to be perfect. And yes, as an operator, I want it to be perfect on May 6th, but realistically just have it done by Labor Day or Memorial Day, whatever one comes to first. And you're just like, please, just, you're never done. It's, there's always something coming next. The good thing with that is you have room already built in for you to add stuffed animals, right? So that's the, you're going to need to find room for them anyway. So exactly. Yeah. Lots of them. Lots of them. From our standpoint, it's going to the same thing. Our, we, we always encourage our customers right around this time period to start sending out some push notifications to give out like pictures, images of things they've done in their off season to start pulling in some more reservations or get people thinking about their season a little sooner. If you send them a nudge and they go and book. And so we'll encourage them to send a picture of the new playground they built in the off season with a book now button right underneath it, where they can go out and hopefully start camping a little earlier. Outside of that, what we see, what we see is right now is a lot of times where 
we had a few customers, a few potential clients that were not sure. And the season's coming and it's decision time. It's either yay or nay in the next couple of weeks. Because if it gets too far along, we'll still have some customers convert, but they're running out of time that they actually have cycles to, to put things together for their apps. It takes, normally it takes about two weeks, but they just need a little bit of time for it. It's not sunny enough on my deck. I had to move. Sorry. Just beautiful. Like I need a little bit of a tan up here. I've been inside all winter. So I'm curious, Ryan, is there from my owner, and this is probably an ignorant question because I've never owned a campground, but are there all alternatives to Willcore and to other large supply chains? If you raise your prices, can you just go buy charcoal at Walmart and cover the expense or? Yeah, you can. And that's where we're going that route. But a lot of the stuff, like if you've ever been in the Willcore showroom, like it's so much fun. You like walk around and eat candy and do all this fun stuff. And so you like, man, I want to help these people. And a lot of the stuff comes from the same place. So whether it's Rhode Island novelties or Willcore or whatever it is, they're all struggling with the same stuff. And it gives us a cool opportunity that even though we're a little short on the merchandise from Willcore, it almost makes you, one of the things we, we were going to do in our store and we still are going to try is build a local section by the local maple syrup, the local, whatever it's going to be in doing a made in Petoskey region. People are willing to spend more for it because they're like, this is so cool. Let's tap from the trees up here. So it gives you a cool opportunity to add new things to your store instead of always having the bike lights and the, you know, batteries and all that stuff where they can go to the grocery store and get that because they have better supply chains through there. So we had this conversation in one of the sessions at the Canadian Outdoor Hospitality Conference and Expo with a couple owners who were talking about they stock their store with local meats and steaks and things like, and, and novelties and eco-friendly things and local honey and whatever else, because what's happening is whether it's in Canada, or the United States, you're seeing this trend toward, well, I can get that cheaper on Amazon, or I can get that cheaper on Walmart. It's been happening for years, but if you're able to offer something that's really unique, like you're talking about Ryan, then they'll eat it up. Like they'll buy it like the Petoskey stones, for example, right? We stayed at one of our, <clears throat> our customers in December in Alabama, and we went down to their camp store and they actually sell hamburger and steaks from cows that they raise. And so they, they have their own, they're also, they also have cattle. And so they, they sell in. So there's nothing more local than that. Uh, and then I know in our area, a lot of the, a lot of the campgrounds will stock local wines. And I always think that's a really good, good, pro, good way to, way to give, like help with the community because campgrounds are always dealing with community issues in terms of if they're trying to expand or anything like that. And so the more you work with the community, the better you're going to have that rapport. Totally. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And it builds, like you're saying, it builds rapport. We've talked about partnerships with local area people before who can recommend your campground and vice versa and things like that. Offers a more curated experience to people as more people get into glamping and they expect some of the things that they're coming from the hotel industry, that concierge like service, whether it's just on your website or whether it's a flyer you hand out over the counter or whatever about here's the local restaurants that are good. Maybe stay away from that one without saying it or those kinds of things. Just help your guests have a better world experience and appreciate your park more. Yeah, I think it's interesting to note that like these strenuous circumstances we've all faced in the last couple of years have really forced operators to think outside the box and do new stuff that before we just maybe were on a little bit of autopilot and we're doing stuff because it worked and had been doing it however long. And so I like this idea that you take this negative of having a couple empty spots in your store and pivoting to brainstorm and find, like, find a solution that arguably might 
do better for you than the way you used to always do it, which I really like. That's the thing. Nobody likes competition, right? Because competition kind of makes pivot and adapt and go 90 miles an hour trying to figure out alternative solutions and ways to be better. But ultimately competition in most cases brings us, brings out the better side in us. We look for new supply chains and new resources and new things to stock our store and new amenities. And ultimately that elevates not only our revenue potential or your revenue potential as a campground, but the guest experience too. And it makes everybody better. We have a viewer on LinkedIn commenting too, that it's better both the local community and the environment. So certainly carbon footprint stuff is a big factor there when you're prioritizing products that are made local and all of that. And arguably there's lots of guests out there who are prioritizing making purchases like that. That's a business. Well, I'm one of them. For years I've eaten organic and grass fed and local and whatever else. And so I remember I was telling the story during the conference. I went to a local restaurant in Banff National Park last year, and we would have eaten there anyway. It was a little hotel and or a restaurant instead of hotel, but on their wall, they had a plaque that said all the little farms that they get their stuff from. And, and again, I was eating there already. It was good food regardless, but just seeing that sign there made me appreciate, not only appreciate, but almost value the stuff higher than I would have before, knowing that they intentionally source it from these places. So, I don't know. I was expecting somebody to pick up and carry the conversation, but I can continue to give well, you said it, you said it all. Yeah. I never say it all. I, yeah, right. I just blab until I, somebody else says something smart. So I'm interested too. We had, I have a ton of great feedback. I'm doing a little bit of a pivot here now that we're on this carbon footprint thing, but we had a panel session during the conference specific to green strategy implementation. And I unfortunately didn't get to see all of it, but Brian, you were there. Do you have any takeaways specific to that, this topic from that session? To be perfectly honest, the big thing that we talked about was the electric pedestals, right? And, and I'm remiss to say that CCREC is advocating this with the Canadian national government to create kind of a network of electric pedestals across Canada. And what did you say? It was the Europe you had applied for $5 million, Kara. And so that's super cool and innovative from an association standpoint. Like that kind of blows me away, even with how much I know CCREC is being innovative. And, but like the pedestals is the big thing. And Ryan, this from being a almost. KOA franchise still, but KOA partnered with that company. And I can't remember his name. He was on the session. His name's Josh. I can't remember the name of his company. Care. Oh, no, he's from Jamestown Advanced Products. I'm sorry. And so they partnered with KOA and created this really cool electric pedestal. And so he's talking about this and he's saying, we're going to have it. It's going to be certified. It was last Friday. So hopefully he got a certification, but we're going to have this be able to ship to campgrounds. And I'm thinking in my head, like this is a 5,000 or $10,000 pedestal. And he's, no, we work with KOA. We got all the costs down. It's reliable. It's $1,200. Because KOA didn't want anybody to have an excuse of, I don't want one of these because it's too expensive from an ownership standpoint. And so that's the big thing. Like electric vehicles are coming, whether we like it or not. And that we've discussed that on the show before, right? The, the power problems and things like that at, at campgrounds, but the ability to have a solution like this is, and, and whether you just put it on a site and you upcharge for that site and you have an eco-friendly four or five sites or whatever, it's a really cool way to market and to cut down carbon emissions and to attract those guests who are conscious of this. Do you have any, do you remember any of the specifications for that uh, pedestal? Like how they're managing it, if, if what amperage it runs to and things like that? I don't remember. I remember him saying your, I think the initial pitch that he had made was that you can run it with a 50 amp line. Like you don't need increased. Like you don't need a hundred amp line or a, sorry, not a line, but an outlet or whatever else. And again, I'm ignorant with a lot of the electrical stuff, excuse my 
not knowing what I'm talking about. But he did say for future proof, like you're developing a camp grinder right now, you should just lay multiple 50 amp lines. And then even if they don't come out to an outlet right now in your pedestal, at least they're there. And so then you can have like your regular electric pedestal side by side with an electric charger that's next to each other instead of all in one unit. And obviously that'll evolve and change over time. But he made it seem like it wasn't like it could be powered by the existing infrastructure and lines. You just might need another 50 amp line running to it, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I'm actually working on something I've, I've been working on with another manufacturer. It's just funny that you bring this up is I'm going to put a prototype. There's actually a company because a lot of this, like what you're talking about, that's hundreds of thousands of dollars to run new lines. And what's going to end up happening is these F-150 lightnings are going to be rolling into our properties and want to supercharge their F-150 while their airstrips plugged in. And so we've actually created, Ooh, how do I do this? It's called Powergate, and there's actually a company that yep. makes the guy was there at our show. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's, he's awesome. So he's yeah. a friend of a friend and he created this and I pitched it to some communities. Cause I'm like, you spend, there's $18 a piece for these. All it's going to take is one F-150 to plug in and it is going to burn all the wires all the way back to your transformer and wire is what? $7 a uh, foot right now. Okay. You spent, you know, the first $5,000 to outfit your whole park with these. And they can only plug into either the 30 amp or the 50 amp because right now they have the ability to plug into both and it's a no brainer for me. I'm like, yeah, I, it'd be crazy not to buy this product, at least until we come up with whatever the next solution is. Awesome term solution. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't disagree with you at all. And, and, it, and I think they, they pair very well with each other as, as complementary products and even long into the future, I forget the exact scenario we were talking about, but the guys were literally on the same panel going back and forth with how, like, even after there's widespread adoption of electric pedestals, that product is still useful to gate and, and control power consumption. So. Yeah. It's an interesting future, but that's a lot of, it's like the kid, you're a kid and you need to touch the hot stove and you don't realize what it is until you touch it and learn. And so I think for some cases, there are going to be a lot of campgrounds who adopt this very early on, but there are also going to be some who have to have their wire burnt before they realize what $18 could save them in this case. I don't know. Uh, what else we got? I don't even know what time it is. I can't see because the screen in front of me. Four well, minutes. Wow. We killed 40 minutes with me blabbing on about stuff. Like I'm trying to have this show have actually useful dialogue. So I prefer I just shut up. Yeah, shut up. Leslie is in the comments saying her concerns are staffing, managing ever-increasing costs, doing my best to provide a reasonably priced experience to folks looking for more and more in their camping. So Leslie owns a park here in Alberta, just east of uh, Calgary, where Brian and I are. Those are valid concerns, I think, especially as the season starts. Yeah, staffing is, it's all over. And we talked about this a little bit during the conference too. There's no real good solution for it because it's not just campground owners. It is everybody, every small, it's me. Like it's, I'm having trouble staffing people. And so I've told Joe this and as a few other people, like we actually had to go overseas for some of our talent because I literally can't find anybody in the United States or Canada who has the skills that I need, regardless of what I'm willing to pay for them. They just don't exist. And so uh, I know that's obviously that opportunity doesn't exist for campground owners to meet people in their store and Yogi Bear costumes and things like that. But there's, it, it's a, big challenge. And I, I don't know because you, it's, it's hard. You can't just continually raise pay and raise benefits and things like that, especially when you're only open half the year. And, and I don't know, I don't know what the answer is. Ryan, any suggestions, tips? 
you know, I've got Asana to kind of source talent from different places or I've got a lot of ideas in my head. I don't know how to make them work. Most, a majority of what I was trying to do at KOA was create activities that did not require staffing. So a lot of my events were all available at all times, but it didn't require somebody to step in and host the event. Obviously that's out the window now, but something that we've created at Sun is called the destination team which is a full-time position. So I think I've actually talked about it on here a little bit where like the work camper position that works six months in the North and then works six months on a different property in the South. And it works for properties that you know, have multiples, but it basically turns a part-time employee with no benefits into a full-time employee with benefits and they're pre-trained before they arrive and before they go. Is it perfect? No, it still needs some work, but it's a good start to, to start building a pretty good bench of work campers, because I think even the work camper game is changing. Like yeah, for, yeah, for the people, the work campers I was hiring back eight years ago, don't exist. They're hard to find. They're a diamond in the rough. Yeah. I've got lots of ideas, but I don't know how to put them into words. Well, I think that what you're talking about on the surface level is a very good idea is to see, figure out ways that you can avoid staffing someone where you maybe don't need them. And yes. I think part of what you're in, correct me if I'm wrong, part of what you're talking about is like during COVID, we had those events and activities and things that you didn't necessarily need staff for, or by requirement couldn't have staff for, but, and, and some of those still don't work today. Now, obviously now everybody's back in person and wants to do all the things, but there are still some things that you can do that, that you can have available like scavenger hunts and bingo games and whatever else. There are ways that you can cut down on your call volume by utilizing technology like live chat or frequently asked questions on your website or having those answers with a, a chat bot or communicating better to your guests via email or in your reservation confirmation or whatever. All of that stuff, if it saves two, three, four phone calls, even a day, if that's, that's more time that your staff can focus on other things that you need them to do around the store. Yeah. One of the couple things that we're doing, like I see like Indeed and stuff coming up and, and we are posting that and even going to college dorms or college places like, Hey, we got a cool job for you, an internship deal. But what we've actually started doing, at least at, at my park, it's not cheap and I don't always recommend it for everybody, but even like housekeeping, like cleaning cabins, we have 30 new cabins. And I know for a fact that I will not be able to hire any type of housekeeping this year. And so I've already worked deals with our local cleaning companies and Hey, every time this cabin flips, you're going to make this much money. And not only is it good for the community, cause you're making them quite a bit of money. You can almost build it into the rates where it's hard. You are going to lose some of your prop, but at the same time, like you're creating that standard that's so high that this outside company is cleaning it and I can hold them to this standard. And this is all they have to worry about. They're not going to get called on the radio to come help wear a Yogi Bear outfit. Literally their job is to clean this cabin and make it look the same for the, for John, as it is for Susan, as it is for Larry. And that way I know my cleaning standards are on point. So all I have to worry about is, okay, now I have to staff activities if you can if the park's cleanliness is at the correct standard and all you have to worry about is doing these crazy cool activities that the kids are like this is incredible and mom's like it was clean you yeah. gotta you've got a guest for life those are the two most no one cares that they didn't have to fit flavor for ice cream uh right. it's park's clean and the mom's happy and the kids are happy that they're running around like crazy kids you're sad you'll make stuff is really important and, and valuable. Leslie's saying we're going, choosing to go with more automation and reducing office hours. Groundskeepers have had to learn how to check people in before taking them to their sites. So uh, 
similar to Ryan's health, re-strategizing how your staffing needs to look. Oh, look at all these comments. Or do you have, and, and I know Jacob's, we'll get to Jacob's comment in one second. Before we do that, and I think the answer is no right now, Ryan, but is there a point in time where, and I don't think it's here yet, where things like Roombas and things like that become viable alternatives to at least do a quick pre-cleaning run so it doesn't take a human being as much time to go into a cabin. And obviously not having one in every single unit, but if you have this 50 of the same exact type of cabin and it can lay it out and you can just drop it in there and hit clean and it thinks it's in the same cabin, right? They're smart, they avoid objects. There's a new one that came out from a company called Roborock I was looking at the other day that mops at the same time, like actually scrubs, like does a good job. So is there a time, and I don't, again, I don't think it's yet, but is there a time where these things can replace some staffing time, not just, not necessarily staff completely, but the time. You know, I've always, I've always thought about if I was going to build the perfect cabin, it would be like all the bathrooms that they have in like San Diego. And then like after every three turns, it shuts down and sprays everything down and then reopens. It's wow, this is beautiful. I don't think it's possible right now with any of the technology we have, because one guest comes in and they use the cabin very lightly and it's, it's pretty clean and you're like, okay, this is nice. And there's still weird things in the couch cushions at the vacuum won't. And then the next guest brings his 16 husky dogs with him and you literally suck a vacuum of dogs out and you're like, oh man, and how do you do that pre-clean? But I still, yeah. How do you feel about that? I don't know. It's not going to completely replace the human ever because everybody's different. If you can get one that like these new ones, oh, my thing is smoking again. If you can get one of these ones that auto like auto empties itself and goes back, at least there's what I'm talking about is just saving even 15 or 30 minutes moving cabin to cabin right now. And I don't know, well, maybe it's not possible, but Ryan was talking about sourcing things like housekeeping, depending on your park, obviously a lot of parks that we would go to our travels, instead of having food services there, they hire food trucks for the busy hours. And so the food trucks come in again, you're not worried about staffing them. They're, they're in charge of that. They're worried about that. You can always go find another one if that's necessary. They had another, there's other opportunities for things like that, where you can, oh, like renting bikes or renting kayaks or canoes or something in that area. It's another thing that you might have an outfitter near you that can source those. And so your services don't have to man it. You just give them the contact information they need to get that, to get that and, and form a partnership with an outfitter. And again, it's just one less thing you have to man, have to keep an inventory if you're worried about sourcing concerns on that side as well. Right. And teach them how to maintain it. And that's what the art part is like. Yeah. The chain pops off. You're like, it's fine. It, it's really easy to put it back on. I'm like, oh no, it's not. You gotta fix it. So yeah, we have a few. We have a few customers that partner with a company to rent D bikes, and I'm not sure how this company does it, but because they're very dispersed, it's not all in a local area. But they go to their website, rent it. That's all done through there, and the campground just keeps it on staff, on stock. And so they just take them and bring them back. And so the campground really doesn't have to do much, but the the company is in charge of all the maintenance and keeping it up to date and everything. Here at Calgary, we have a, and this is probably a common thing. We have a company, a couple of companies, I think that do sports like rental equipment and they have a trailer full of stuff and you just literally via an app order which things you want and they bring them to you. I think it would be genius for a campground to partner with somebody like that and connect them with their guests so that they can, it's got everything from like rollerblades and bicycles and kayaks and skis and snowboards and all of this stuff. And then they just come pick it up. Like they orchestrate all of that with the, the individual, which I think is such a great idea. Totally. There's so many comments in here now. Look at this audience. Oh, we didn't get to Jacob's. Do you want to put his up again real quick or? Yeah. 
Um, Which one? There's we're full of them. There's so many. Jacob's got um, a lot of them. Jacob says active recruiting is key. Students are always last minute when looking for jobs. Post on university job boards. They are free and a great resource. Well, sometimes they're free. Posting on Indeed isn't enough, which I agree. I think people are getting more strategic and targeted about where they're seeking. Use LinkedIn to hire for everything. And obviously yeah. that's different, right? Depends on the industry you're in and who you're looking for and the type of talent. But yeah, yeah. I mean, universities sometimes are free, but not always. It depends on what they're doing. They really want the internship, the experience, the college, not credit, but you understand what I'm saying. Totally. This is a cool idea. Partner with a local high school for early dismissal work training like we do in Texas. Love that idea. Yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. Like, it's just, it's, the, the, the interesting thing is, is it's a lot of work, right? It's, yeah, we can partner with that high school, but how do we make sure we're getting good kids? Not that there's bad, that was a whole other argument, right? How do we get the kids who really want to work versus the kids that are just working because they have to? We actually did that last year. I called up the local high school IT department and armed them computer science teacher for all purposes and talk to him about who would be a good student to have that I could have just to work with them. It was more so giving back to them and they weren't going to end up doing a lot of good stuff for us, but just helping out with school. But then it's also going to be a good student because the, that's the one the teacher is going to recommend and that actually worked out pretty well. So yeah. maybe in the terms of a campground, maybe working with some of the coaches for sports teams that are off-season sports that, you know, they don't have practices all summer and stuff like that because they're going to give you their good kids. They're not going to give you the the slackers that aren't are going do anything. Good yeah. Point. No, good point. Uh, Leslie's saying for your activities, you can put scavenger hunts on Joe's app. Yay, Joe. It would work. And Rose's app. Let's not forget. We cannot forget Rose. She's the brains behind that whole operation. <laughs> like that, like you look at a concierge service, I've often wondered this and it enhances the guest experience and maybe you do like food service or things like that. But we had to talk about Uber Eats and DoorDash and up here we have skip the dishes and things like that. What if somebody can be on staff, but you're not paying them and maybe they only work for tips or something like that, or whatever that minimum wage is, if you can get like you pay a waitress type deal. And then on top of that, she gets her tips again, argue, I'm not arguing that that business model is for the waitresses or anything like that. But if it worked, maybe that's something where they can go out and get groceries and marshmallows and things from your store and bring them to the site. Maybe by doing all of those things together, you create a better experience. You can raise your rates and you don't have to necessarily pay that person more than you normally would. Yeah, absolutely. Jacob's got a cool idea here in Alberta. Our wildfire force gets thousands of applicants and they don't find out until March or April if they get the job. These are all very qualified people that don't get hired and are looking for spots. So when you do post jobs, use the same tags that they use on their postings, getting some easy exposure just for piggybacking off of posts. I, I do like that idea. That's fascinating to me. Yeah, that's long been the mar a marketing strategy, right? Piggyback off the other people's Instagram posts or Instagram hashtags, Twitter hashtags, Facebook hashtags, those kinds of things. There's a balance yeah, there with me. The idea marketing, but specific to jobs, yes. So it's a yeah. really good idea. The timing with and that specific one as well with because campgrounds are hiring in March and April, makes a ton of sense to only all of these people were applying for a position and now don't have one. I think it's a great, fascinating idea. So many great comments in here, especially universities now often go back to class before the Labor Day weekend now. So then we are short staffed for the last weekend of the year. COVID was actually helpful that way. Some of my students were doing online learning. <clears throat> Sorry. So we can so we can, yeah, we just cut off. 
the meetings. Yeah, that's that was an issue I often had back in my campground ownership days too, that the kids who were in school wanted to be done by early September and I still needed staff for another six weeks typically. So that was typically a scramble for me. Oh, here's my favorite comment so far. This is my favorite episode. Everyone's got, got a shout out. <laughs> the bits about her is happy. Yeah. Yay. Hi, Rob. Um, yeah, like it's very interesting dynamic. And I don't think we're going to get to the resource directory today, but that's okay. We have five whole minutes, man. Five whole minutes. <laughs> want to do the resource directory? We can. Go ahead. Do the resource directory. You have anything else we want to talk about? Joe and Ryan, before we do the resource directory? I'm pretty sure we could stay in the, the old staffing rooms reading for about four more hours. So this is a drag to move pop-up that's in front of resource directory, apparently. Wait, sorry. It's killing me. I hate this Look, thing. This is what the back end of behind the curtain looks like for MC Fireside Chats. I'm going to peek at it right now. See all the cool things. So for those of you who don't know, uh, this has been in our daily emails. I think six or 7,000 people get the emails or something in the United States and Canada or around the world really these days. But we, uh, our staff spent two months putting together this kind of resource directory focused on literally everything you need to know. If you are building, operating, running facilities at, marketing, looking for services at a campground. And so you can see they're there at the top, but they're literally, if you go into like facilities or operations to pick one care, they're literally sorted into every single potential category you would need to look for from Wi-Fi to electric pedestals, to sewer systems, to water parks, to play structures, to whatever. Uh, and so if you are a supplier who's watching this show, uh, like Jacob Marler, who's from BJ8, and we love his glamping things, but don't like that he's an Oilers fan, but we'll still list in the directory regardless. You can, you, you, it's a list, it's a free listing. We want this to be the most comprehensive resource that is available to campground owners. So if you know a company or you are a company who provides, uh, something in a specific vertical or category, we will list you. No charge for free, no catch in as many categories as, as your business is actually relevant for us so that you can be here in front of people. And so that's our goal is to build this out. Obviously there will be opportunities for some suppliers to have enhanced listings and sponsorships and things like that. But our primary goal is to create this amazing resource for park owners. We didn't see anything like that out there. Uh, and so obviously we're continuing to approve it. Eventually we want to be able to sort by do you serve Canada or the United States or specific states or things like that, or all kinds of different things. So this is just version one, but hopefully this will help some owners especially as we move forward and there's much more interest in the industry. So anyway, that's the resource directory. Yeah. You were worried about time. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know you were in charge of marketing. Yeah. <laughs> marketing your directory there. I just put charge down your house. That's all I care about. <laughs> I mean, that's what needs said, right? Like it's a directory. It's cool. It's for business owners. I feel like it's going to be helpful. Is it helpful? Yeah, it's a great resource. Where are you at? Maybe I have, I don't even know which way it's up right now. So I have not had any time to look at it. And I'm all some multitasking behind the screen. As any good campground manager would do at this time of year, he just prays that he could see the sign at some point in the day. We talked about supply chain issues. So you might be able to see some other suppliers that have product that you need just because it's getting down to crunch time. and you know, the type of order room. So that would be a perfect resource because you're used to, you're used to ordering from one person. And so now you might have more options out there. Yep. Yeah, I definitely, I want to provide as much information as we possibly can on people. It's, it's just a lot of work gathering all this stuff together. So 
we'll figure it out. We'll constantly improve it. Love to hear owners' feedbacks, things like that. Other than that, uh, we got a couple minutes left. Anything you guys want to wrap up and talk about as we head into, probably won't see you guys again until April on the show. Uh, Jacob wants to know if we're going to the Calvary Outdoor Adventure Show. I'm not. Are you? You're not? Yeah, I'm going to try to head over there on Saturday this weekend and check things out. I should be there. Why? Does Jacob have a booth there? Uh, reach out to said me. he was going during the show. Yeah, one of the loungers one night he was going. So cool. Um, That's awesome. Jacob, by the way, we still need to finalize our bet. So Jacob and I have a bet on the the, the Flames are going to go farther in the playoffs than the Oilers. So I just want to every time I have a touch point with Jacob, I'm just going to remind him. I feel like he's going to try to weasel out of it because the Oilers might not even make the playoffs. My girlfriend was telling me this earlier. So I don't not know, even. Like I, I just learned the whole point <laughs> system for the NHL. I didn't even know it. So. Before I made that, uh, offering you free tickets. How come I don't get free tickets? <laughs> Who's offering me free tickets? Jacob is. To who? The Oilers? To the, to the outdoor show. Oh, the outdoor show. Okay. Yeah. Oilers are on a heater. Oh, yeah. Okay. Enough of that nonsense. I'm going to go to the outdoor show. I hope to see anybody local to, to Calgary there this weekend. Hopefully, if, if you're there, connect with me. It's a super exciting time of the year for our industry right now. I am always fired up and, and excited about the season changing and all of that stuff here. Can't wait to get into summer and have everybody's businesses running and busy and all those things. Yep. I'm really excited. I love the, we always have blue skies here usually in the winter during in Calgary, but I'm really excited to start to see that tree fill out with leaves. It's a nice little crab apple tree and just be able to go outside and do more things and so I'm looking forward to it, going camping, visiting some campgrounds. I think Karen and I might have some plans this summer uh, to yeah. do some ambassadorship for the CC, for CCRVC, for Insider Perks, travel around, do some live shows. It's going to be cool. We're going to do a lot. We're going to do a live show from the Alberta Camping Owners Association meeting on March 30th. Is that our plan? I don't know if I can fit that in. You can go ahead. I, I will be. I'm hosting the meeting. I'm the executive director. I'm running the meeting. I cannot also. <laughs> We'll just broadcast, we'll just like mic your thing in and we'll just do a live for an hour. Okay. We can just hear you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm anyway. sure that's a fascinating episode. <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us for another episode of MC Fireside Chats. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to an amazing camping season. We will see you on this specific show for Campground Owners again in April. Next week, remember, is our RV industry show. Got a bunch of people on from RVDA, Canada, America, CRV, Shane Devinish, Alan Orham, Phil Ingracia, a bunch of other people I can't remember right off the top of my head. But uh, Joe, have a fantastic season working with campgrounds. I'm sure you're going to be traveling a little bit. Hopefully you continue to grow your company. Ryan, have an amazing summer as Yogi Bear's Jellystone Park of Petoskey. Is that what it is? It's so long. It's like, so I know we have to say it right or we get fined. Yeah, it's Jellystone. Yeah, I don't even know. I'm not even going to try. Jellystone Petoskey. Yeah, I can probably get away with not being fine, but you probably can't. But we'll go with it. Anyway, somewhere in there, there's a little R with a circle around it. Just so you guys know. Anyway. Have a super great season. Wish you all the best, and we will see you guys next month. Thank you. Thanks for watching this episode of MC Fireside Chats, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismadia. Have a suggestion for a future show or want to see your campground or company as part of an episode? Email us at hello at moderncampground.com. Join us next week for another episode. And don't miss the latest outdoor hospitality news and commentary from around the world at moderncampground.com. 